Leo Tolstoy said, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. So many causes that people give their time and energies to, to change the world. What about the cause of changing ourself? Might have a greater impact on the world than anything else we could do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 begins a new major section of the letter of 1 Peter in which Peter, he lays out for us how Christians in various life situations and settings are to behave. And an interesting thing to note is the consistency of the basic teaching that he gives us. In 1 Peter 2, 13-17, we've looked at this before, to honor Christ as a citizen... He says we're to be submissive to the authorities over us and be respectful. Then in 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25, to honor Christ as an employee and in other similar situations, we're to be submissive to the authority over us and be respectful. In 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, we looked at this last week, to honor Christ as a wife, we're to be submissive to the authority over us and be respectful. 1 Peter 3, 7, to honor Christ as a husband, we're to be submissive to the authority over us and be respectful. Submission and respect have been the two major ideas in each of these situations that Peter has been writing about. In the next verses, which we'll be looking at today, Peter turns his attention back to all believers, all followers of Jesus, all Christians, giving us instructions on how we should treat one another. And guess what? The same two major ideas are present in his teaching, submission and respect. Submission and respect. These are not popular ideas in our culture, are they? People recoil from these things, submission and respect. Our culture teaches us to do the very opposite. Our culture tells us, demand respect from others. Demand your rights. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Don't let anyone push you around. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. Make sure you're getting your fair share. And here we have Peter spending a chapter and a half of his letter promoting the ideas of submission and respect. There are two things I want to remind us of about this that adds additional interest. First, the believers that Peter was originally writing to they were undergoing persecution for their faith in Christ. And rather than telling them to fight back, Peter tells them to submit and show respect. That goes completely counter to our natural inclinations, doesn't it? The second thing is Peter himself. He struggled with being submissive and respectful in his early days as a follower of Jesus. You might remember, he's the guy who whipped out the sword and he was ready to defend Jesus, fighting with his sword when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now we have this same Peter teaching a very different thing. What changed him? Jesus. Jesus is what changed him. Jesus changes lives. Let's take a look at verse 8 of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Peter writes, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, 
love one another, be compassionate and humble. Peter lists five qualities in this verse that we should seek to have and develop in our own life and should be present as part of our church culture. The first is be like-minded, he says. The word means to be one and the same in mind, vision, purpose, to be in harmony with one another, have unity of mind. Think of the idea of harmony in music. When a group of musicians are all working together to produce beautiful music, each one of them has to give up their personal interests and desires for the sake of the whole. Disharmony comes when individuals are playing their own tune rather than following the music and lead of the conductor. It only takes one individual to seek selfish interests over the greater interests of the whole, and the music is awful, isn't it? I mean, but when everyone is giving of himself or herself for the sake of the whole, following the conductor, the beautiful music is produced. And the music that's produced is of a quality that it can't be accomplished by a single individual. The power of an orchestra playing in sync, every musician selflessly giving their effort to the greater whole, it produces something that is soul-stirring. The same is true with the church. It only takes one person putting their own interests first and the church immediately begins to suffer and be less than what it could be. We need to all be selflessly playing the same music, all following the conductor, Jesus Christ. And if we do that, what's produced will be beautiful, powerful, soul-stirring, life-changing. Many have noted, and I don't feel like beating a dead horse here, so to speak, many have noted the deep divisions that exist among the people of our country right now. And added to that is the widespread lack of graciousness among people. People are quick to accuse and condemn one another. It's awful. Sadly, people in the church, Christians, followers of Jesus, have been drinking from the same well as the surrounding culture, getting caught up in the same conflicts, behaving in the same ways, and letting all of that come into the church and infect our relationships with each other. We need to send our personal politics and moral high horses to the back row and move Jesus Christ and his agenda back up to the front. The scripture could not be clearer about this. We're going to read a lot of Bible today. And the reason is because I want you to know what the Lord says about all this stuff, not what Jeff says about all of this stuff. My opinion isn't worth anything. Romans 15.5, the scripture says, Paul's writing, he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you 
in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Philippians 2, 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul wrote this letter to a church that was deeply divided within itself. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. And still another, the super spiritual, I follow Christ. Each of these people thought they were the spiritual ones. The insightful ones, the wise ones, the righteous ones. They each had a chosen champion for their causes. In reality, they were all acting like fools. First Peter 3:8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. It means sharing the feelings and the burdens of each other, caring for each other, supporting each other. We can't do that very well unless we're like-minded, can we? It's hard to be sympathetic toward one another unless we're united with each other, serving a common greater purpose. Romans 12, 15 Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That's being sympathetic. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's being sympathetic. Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's being sympathetic, carrying each other's burdens. One of the reasons the Lord created the church, this church, all church, is for it to be a place of refuge and help as we are making this journey through this life. The church is to be a place where we can come and not feel alone in this world. Where we can be encouraged and strengthened. The church is to be a foretaste of the fellowship that we'll have when we get home to be with Jesus. 
Does church feel like that to you? If it doesn't, then we all have a lot of work still to do, don't we? It says, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. This is the same Greek word for love that we found in 1 Peter 1.22, Philadelphos, which refers to love and affection between brothers, between sisters. The city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. As members of the church, we're part of a family. This is the third time in this letter that Peter has told us to love each other. And he will repeat it again when he gets to 1 Peter 4, 8, where he says, above all, on top of everything, the most important thing, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We find this same admonition all over over the New Testament, don't we? Love one another, love one another, love one another. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate. This word is similar in meaning to the word sympathetic. There are slightly different shades or size of a common idea. It means to care about each other. Put our self in the other person's shoes, trying to understand what it's like to be them, going through what they're going through. A very simple way to do that is to listen to the other person. Let's not be so quick to tell our story, but listen to the other person's story. Show compassion. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ God forgave you. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Humble. Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Romans 12.16, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value one another above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Romans 15.1 We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. There's the story told in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 where it says they, Jesus and his disciples, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. <laughs> Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. 
be humble. So this is how we are to be with one another as Christians and as a church. We're to be like-minded. We're to be sympathetic. We're to love each other. We're to be compassionate. We're to be humble. How should we behave when when harmony between us breaks down? How should we react to people who show a lack of sympathy toward us? What should be our response to people not showing us love in return for the love that we're giving to them? How should we respond to a lack of compassion and humility from others? How should we behave when someone is hostile toward us? These kinds of things will happen. When we mix a bunch of people together, there's going to be friction. The question is not whether there will be friction. The question is how we're going to handle and respond to the friction. And that's what Peter talks about in the next verse, verse 9. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because this you were called, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. When someone does something evil to us or insults us, our natural reaction is to retaliate. I want to hit back. If someone hurts me, I want to hurt them back. But Jesus, he came into our world teaching a very different way of living, didn't he? Flip over to Matthew chapter 5. The scariest chapters in the whole Bible. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. (laughs) Matthew 5, verse 38. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans or unbelievers do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17 of Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. What does it mean to bless? The Greek word is 
eulogio. which may sound familiar to you if I hadn't have mangled it to begin with. We get our English word eulogy from this. A eulogy is a blessing. To bless someone means to speak well of them, to praise them, to hope and pray for God's goodness on their life. This teaching in 1 Peter 3, 9, it should be followed in all of our relationships with people. It, it ought to be obvious. But this is how we should handle disagreements with our spouse. With other family members. With friends. With people in our church. With our neighbors. When we're faced with the choice of either returning fire or not, when someone has taken a shot at us, if we'll choose not to return insult for insult, the situation will often be diffused, won't it? And peace will begin to return to the relationship. But if we fire back, the fight is definitely on. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. My natural inclination is to be a war maker, not a peacemaker. When I have had my feelings hurt, when someone has taken unfair advantage of me, but Jesus, he wants me to behave differently because I am part of his family now, living by a different standard. Peter says, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. There's a blessing from the Lord for those who follow his word. And we make a lot of trouble for ourselves when we don't follow his word. It's not even necessary for the Lord to be actively opposed to us for us to pay the price for pursuing a life of sinful behavior. Living a sinful life makes life hard. It brings a lot of trouble into our life that could be avoided if we followed the word of God instead. Sin, it looks like the easy way at first, doesn't it? It, it looks like a free ride when we first decide to get on that roller coaster, but payment always comes due. And it always carries a higher price than we ever imagined having to pay. Christian, we've not been called to a life of sin with guilt and paranoia and shame and brokenness and pain and turmoil that, and all of that that comes along with it. Instead, we've been called to a life of peace and love and joy in the Holy Spirit, which comes from following God's ways in our life, imitating Jesus. Rather than having a life with all of the awful burden and pain that comes with sin, we can inherit a blessing from the Lord. That's the kind of life that the Lord wants to give us. It's the kind of life that he intends for us. The blessing of God is your birthright in Christ. Don't trade that for a bowl of beans like Esau did. Don't trade beauty for ashes. Jesus came to bring blessing. Flip over to Isaiah 61 for a minute. This is Jesus talking. 
in the Old Testament through this prophet, Isaiah. Jesus is saying, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. This doesn't mean we're not going to face troubles and difficulties and persecution in this life, but it means we're not but it means we're going to have a strength to go through all of that that we wouldn't have otherwise. It means we will never go through those things alone. He is always with us. It means we'll avoid a lot of self-inflicted pain and troubles and suffering. It means that the goodness of the Lord will be poured into our life. will be with him. Something to look forward to. In verse 10 of 1 Peter 3 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. These verses are a quotation from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. What we've read in verses 8 and 9 are thoughts Peter has drawn, really, from this passage in Psalm 34. The Lord has promised to be with those who control their mouth, who speak honestly, who turn away from evil and do good, who are peacemakers says the Lord hears their prayers and He takes care of them. Well, in closing, I, I just want to kind of take us back up to the beginning of verse 8. Does being like-minded mean we have to all have the same opinion about everything? No. That, that would make things easy. But that isn't possible when there's more than one human in the group. It only takes one human. We don't even uh, always agree with ourselves, do we? How do we protect and preserve the unity among us? First, by being ruthlessly committed to our relationship with Jesus Christ and with each other. By being ruthlessly committed to our relationship with each other. That means we're willing to fight tooth and nail for our relationship with each other. 
my brother Steve and I, uh, he's a year younger than me, but you know, as we went through school together, you know, uh, we, we, we'd get in a, a mix up with someone once in a while. But you know what? Everybody knew if you were going to get into it with Jeff, you were getting into it with Jeff and Steve. And if you're getting into it with Steve, you're getting into it with Jeff and Steve. You had to count the cost. Because we were both coming. We protected each other. We looked out for each other. We defended each other. Even if my brother deserved what he was getting, I was still with him. Because he was my brother. We need to be ruthlessly committed to our relationship with Jesus and with each other. Second, we need to be putting into practice what Peter tells us here in verses 8 and 9 of 1 Peter 3. We need to live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic toward one another. Love one another. Be compassionate toward one another. Be humble. And don't retaliate, but instead bless one another. Let's commit ourselves to this. Amen. Lord, help us. Lord, protect us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us through it. Thank you for giving us guidance and direction through it. Thank you for feeding our souls with it. Lord, I pray for all of us that you would bind us together as one. Lord, that you would protect our unity with one another. Lord, that we would give ourselves to the orchestra, to the symphony. Now be playing our own tune, but playing your tune. May you make beautiful music that changes the world through our church, through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.